Good morning, everybody. All right, give me something more. Good morning, everybody. All right, well, I am so glad that you guys are here. I have been waiting for this day for a long time, and I have been praying for this day for a long time, and I'm so excited that we get a chance to gather here together for worship. With that said, I do want to acknowledge that it's going to be a little bit strange how we're worshiping this morning. Right? This isn't normally how we do things at TVC. For example, one of the things that we're doing is we're actually going to be recording the entire service so that we can post it online for those who, who may not feel comfortable being here. Right? So that there's going to be a, a camera on the entire time, not just for the, ser- the sermon. But you'll also notice that we aren't going to be passing plates for communion or for, for offering or anything like that. Those are normal parts of our worship experience. The Bible commands these acts of worship, but for the time being, we're going to pause those things for the sense of safety and making sure that we can keep things as, as sanitized as possible. With that said, there is an offering box in the back if you, you know, want to give in that way. We're just not going to pass the plate. But the other thing I want to acknowledge and encourage you to do is to extend grace to one another. Right? Those are some logistic things, but, but we all have different perspectives about this pandemic, and that's totally okay. But we are a community that gives up its rights for the other, right? That's what the Bible says. And so when we experience in this space, we ask, even though I'm not wearing a mask, because I want you to hear me, we ask everybody to wear masks. We ask everybody to be careful with one another. But more than that, I want you to extend grace to each other, despite the perspectives that are ranging in this space right now. All right? I need some more feedback than that. That wasn't a sermon, but does that sound good? Amen. All right, there it is. Now, the other thing that I want to acknowledge is you might notice that the average age in this space is a little bit younger, right? We're going to have kids worshiping with us, students worshiping with us, and that is a beautiful thing. And I want to acknowledge any kids that step into this space that this space is for you, right? You are part of this family. This is not just an adult space. And so as we're here, if you have friends that are considering and bringing kids or, or, or if kids make noise, I want you to know that a little noise is okay because this is familia, right? Now there is a space. If you need to step out there, that's fine, but this is familia. And so our average age is going to be a little bit younger because we're worshiping together as family on Sunday mornings until we can restart kids' ministry. Last thing I'll say, and this is really weird, and I don't like saying this, but I'm going to say it anyways because, again, giving up rights for one another. I I don't know if you do this, but I do this when I step into worship services. I sing my heart out. I make sure the speakers are up before I do that, but I sing my heart out. But for the time being, I'm going to ask everybody to sing softly into your mask. Again, the spread of the virus and research and all that stuff that shows, we want to be careful of others. And so if you're going to sing, I encourage you to do so, but sing softly into your mask. I know, super weird, but for the sake of others... Let's try and do that as well. And then the last thing I'll mention is, when the service is over, ushers are actually going to dismiss you by sections, okay? Instead of everybody just kind of congregating right through the door, we're going to dismiss by seconds. And I'm asking everybody to step into the parking lot as quickly as possible. We're there we can connect in open air rather than our atrium spaces. I plan to be out there. I would love to see you out there. But the, the ushers will dismiss you at the end. Don't just jump up and go. And then there is restrooms right outside. These are the ones we're using by the kids' area. Okay, I think I've got all the details. If there's anything you're unclear about, send Hannibal an email. Okay, (laughs) with that said, worship band, lead us please.
even as we enter back into worship this morning, we just want to center ourselves, sing a song that we all know and are familiar with, uh, if we've been around the church for any period of time, and it's just the heart of worship. So we're going to sing it this morning and, and, and ask everybody to join us here as we, as, we, uh, as we enter in and turn our hearts back to where they belong. And, and uh, it's been a season apart, and now we're at least in some capacity back together. And we just want to center ourselves and focus on the reason why we even come together, right? And it's all about Him. It is all about Jesus. Let's sing that together this morning. Drift away, and I simply come, longing just to breathe something that's a word that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself. Is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus.
when it's all about you it's all about you jesus psalm 103 praise the lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles the lord is compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in love for as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love for those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us sing i'm coming back i'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord for the thing i've made when it. it's all about you it's all about you jesus all right familia we're not supposed to do this but don't worry sergio and i have spent tons of hours together, and we are okay, just in case. Um, today, uh, I got to tell you, this morning I got up, and uh, it was one of those days that you come in the morning and say, oh my goodness, do I have to, like, it felt boring to me when I got up. But I got to tell you that the closer I got to this place, I live by, by our uh, West Chicago campus, and the closer we got over, I got over here, the more I started to feel this excitement about being part of the church and being able to see some of you guys and being, being able to worship together. But more than that, this was the thought as I was coming along and driving this way. That if there's one thing, one organization, one group of people, one institution that is completely unstoppable is the church. Because the church does not depend on people. The church is rooted in who God is and what God wants to do and what God is doing in this creation. I want to be part of something big, and there's nothing bigger than the church. So as I'm coming over here, I'm thinking, man, TVC people are just amazing. The Lord placed you here for a bigger purpose than just us, than just our desires and our happiness and things like that. We're here actually to change the world, literally. And it's interesting, though. That God has shown his faithfulness, not just because he has placed us here and we're playing a role in what he's doing in this creation. But he has, shows, he has showed his faithfulness by bringing us a new pastor, right? So I want to invite uh, Eric to come to the front. Now, as you know, a few months ago, we lost the Caribbean and we got another one. So for those of you who don't know, this guy is Cuban and Dominican, yeah. right? And he's got Caribbean all over, and he's <laughs> passionate about the church, and he's passionate about the gospel, and I got to tell you, he's passionate about you. This guy mm -hmm. has a shepherd's heart. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I, that, I, uh, that I noticed 
the most when we first started uh, interviewing uh, Eric. So as a church, as uh, one of the representatives of the church, one of the pastors in the church, we, we want to commission Eric in a way, and we want to pray for him together because the Lord in his sovereignty and providence brought him here for a bigger reason, once again, than just us. It's for the kingdom and for his glory. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Actually, I'm going to ask you to do something weird. Can you please kneel over here? Um, and I'm going to ask you to please uh, reach out or stretch out your hands and let's pray for this man that the Lord has given us uh, to be uh, one of our shepherds and pastors here. Lord, we, we are so thankful for your mercy and your grace. We thank you, Lord, because we are not part of something that is uh, weak and fragile, Lord. We are part of your kingdom, your church, the unstoppable church. And we thank you, Lord, because you work through broken people. So you can display your glory. Eric, as a broken man, is also uh, empowered by the presence of of your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that as he is stepping into this new role, as, as we start this kind of a new chapter uh, post-pandemic, Lord, in TVC, I pray, Lord, that, that your spirit may be so real and so present in his life, Lord, that we may be able to see it. I pray, Lord, that you use uh, every time you use the words he speak, uh, the, the charisma he has, the love he displays, the passion he that you have given him, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you, in the name of Jesus, that you use him in mighty ways. We pray, Lord, that he may be fully dependent on you, that he may find rest in the reality that you are in charge of this church, that you are in charge of the church of Jesus Christ, and that you will accomplish what you want to accomplish. And with that, Lord, we want to bless him. And we want to ask, Lord, that you work in him and through him. And we all say, thank you, guys. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Hannibal, Sir Jim. And it's, it's awesome to be a partner in ministry with what the Lord is doing all over this county through, through Wheaton Bible Church and through TVC. There is another thing, though, and I know this is unusual, kind of stacking prayers upon prayers, but we can never pray enough. Amen. So I want, at this point, you guys prayed for me. I want to pray for us as a church community. Can I do that? All right, I need some more response. I'm too Latino to not hear that. All right. All right. So with that said, if you're able, raise your hands that we might receive from the Lord in this moment. Let me pray. Father God, we are before you humbled as the community that you created. Ephesians 2 says that you made one new man and we are part of that body with Jesus as our head. And we are before you, Father, humbled. Asking in this new season, Lord, that you would walk with us. As Moses said, Lord, as Joshua said, Lord, if you are not with us, we don't want to go. We pray, Lord, that you would walk with us in this new season. In the middle of this pandemic, as we gather again in person, that it would be your presence that marks this moment. That it would be your presence that marks our weeks. That it would be your presence that marks Tri-Village and the area surrounding. Because, Lord, you are sending us 
Not just to gather together in this space, but as missionaries throughout each of our communities, in our workplaces, in our homes. And Lord, we confess that too often we forget that that's why you're sending us. Too often we, we think we're supposed to cloister together and protect ourselves, but Lord, you did not just cloister yourself in heaven. No, you sent your son to earth to die for us. And we pray, Lord, that that same willingness would be filled in our hearts and our minds by your spirit. As we step into this new season, Lord, that you would gather us, empower us, and send us for your glory and the good of this community, the good of your people. We are grateful for what you have done for us in Jesus. We are grateful for what you have done among us at TVC, Father. How you have given us the privilege of seeing people come to know you time and time again over these last few years, Lord. And we pray like a child looking at its father that you would do it again, Father. That we would be able to see once again your spirit working through us for the salvation of many. We love you, Lord. We trust you. You have been faithful. You will be faithful. And in this new season, we cling to you. We walk before you as a humbled people. May you, by your spirit, do your work. Open our eyes that we might see wonderful things in your word, in your work, in this world through us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus all the praise. Yes. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, church. Yes, Lord. Let's sing together. Same Jesus. This Jesus who carried our shame. This Jesus who rose from the grave. The same Jesus. We worship today, we worship today. He came to us, He came to us. In grace and in truth, still with us. And still on the move, Saint Jesus. He's making us new, He's making us new. I know that my Redeemer lives.
and the last, the beginning and end. At the sound of his cry, all the world came alive, and he formed us from dust, put his breath in our lungs. We were made by his love, but we ran from the church and you're guiding us in your love and in your mercy thank you lord thank you for loving us for the way that you love us thank you for leading us in the way that you lead us thank you for your love Your own 
you, Lord, for your love. And thank you for building your church for your glory. Keep building, Lord, our lives in you, for you, for your purposes. It's in your name, Lord, that we worship. And it's in your name that we pray that you prepare our hearts for your word. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Maybe see that. Thank you.
Today is a day of new beginnings. We've said it over and over again as we've prayed, as we've sang. Um, it's a day of remembering what God has done within our community and stepping further in what God is already doing in and through the community at TBC. Because of that today, we want to start a new series for the next four weeks. Right? Uh, we've been going as a church through the book of Proverbs and looking at wisdom, uh, but, but in this particular season of TVC, before we join back up with the series we're going to start in August, we're going to take the next four weeks and we're going to be in the book of Philippians. Okay? We wanted to take some time to break, and, and, and the reason being, if you look at the title that I put up on this series, is because I want to talk about true community. I want us to step in as we have this season of new beginnings to talk about what it means to truly be a community centered on Christ. And we'll be working through four different passages throughout the whole book. We won't be going exactly verse by verse, but it'll all paint a picture of true community for us, especially in the season of disconnect. And the theme of this morning in Philippians 1 is gratitude, because the focus of this first chapter is gratitude. And as we read Paul's prayers, I want you to listen for how true community shines even through his words of prayer. So if you please would turn with me to Philippians 1, 1 through 11, and stand as we read God's word. If you have a Bible, turn in there. If you have a phone, scroll on there. If you don't have either, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen for you. So we're going to be reading Philippians 1, 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let me pray for the reading of God's word, the hearing of this sermon, and then you may be seated. Lord, we submit ourselves to your word this morning. We pray that in it, we might be both encouraged and challenged, that you might change us even as we interact with it, that you, by your spirit, might make us look more and more like Jesus, that you, Lord, would shape us as a true community founded in the gospel. In your son's name we pray, amen. Please take your seat. Now, I once had a teacher who didn't listen to music at all. He said he didn't like music. And, and I'm not just talking about rock or country or rap. He didn't like any music. 
And I couldn't believe it when he told me, and I still can't. And it's not because, like everybody else who was up here before me, that I have any kind of musical bone in my body, because I don't. Like I said, I only sing when the speakers are turned all the way up, or if I'm putting my girls to bed. But I can't imagine life without music. Without music's ability to uh, embed me within the sound of my people, to help me see life through the eyes of another culture, or even to translate my heart into poetry sometimes. Music has this beautiful way of communicating the core of a community at multiple levels of understanding. And one of my favorite examples of this is in the music of the spirituals. From Wade in the Water to Swing Low Sweet Chariot to Follow the Drinking Gourd, the history of the spirituals is the history of a people communicating what mere words could not. As one pastor and theologian in Nashville named Micah Edmondson says, describing the spirituals, they dance on the edge of despair before rejoicing in hopeful triumph. They hold the tension between pain and hope. And that tension in the spirituals is the same kind of tension that runs through the book of Philippians. You see, often described as a a letter of joy and friendship, the book of Philippians is marked by hope in the middle of despair. Because the book of Philippians is written by Paul while he is in jail. For a letter that repeats the word joy 16 times in just four chapters, it's remarkable how often he refers to it while sitting in a prison cell. And from beginning to end, it is clear if you read through that Paul thinks he's about to die. And not only that, but he's writing to a community that is wrestling both inside and outside with difficult circumstances. And yet, it is in this letter that we find the famous words, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is a message of joy in suffering, hope in pain, true community in hard seasons. In other words, the beauty that the spirituals communicated in suffering has the same kind of rhythm as the beauty that this letter displays across four chapters. So in the center of suffering, in the depth of despair, what hope does Paul illuminate for us in the letter to Philippians? It is the hope of true community founded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, in 2020, disconnected from each other on multiple levels because of sickness, whether it's racist or respiratory, and even our own journey as a campus in this past year, what hope do we have in this season for TVC? The hope of true community firmly established in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, that hope begins to take shape for us with this theme of gratitude that I introduced earlier. And the gratitude that Paul expresses here in this small passage is made up of three elements that we're going to hit. Number one, it's a gospel partnership. So if you're taking notes, number two, God's faithfulness. And number three, an overflowing love. This is our roadmap today if you're taking notes. A gospel partnership, God's faithfulness, and an overflowing love. And what is most encouraging is that these three elements are all in the form of a prayer. So take a look. So right from the beginning, right, he greets Paul and Timothy, the servants of Christ Jesus, and after that, he begins to describe his prayer life. I thank my God every time I remember you. Look at that, verse 3 at the bottom. Here's the beginning of the gratitude that shapes true community. Paul is thanking God for the Philippians. Why? 
Look at the text. Because of the first stop in our roadmap here in verses 4 and 5. Because of their gospel partnership. This is a relationship that is founded in the gospel from the first day they met. Right? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. These are Paul's day ones. These are the people who rode with him right from the jump. These are the people that the Spirit of God moved and brought not just into the faith, but into friendship and family with Paul. In other words, these are the Philippian OGs. This is familia, bought by blood, and in this case, it is nowhere truer that blood is thicker than water. These are Paul's partners in the gospel. This morning, TVC, are we partners in the gospel? The Philippians aren't following Paul or Timothy. No, ultimately they follow the one who gave his life for them. And that's what binds them together with Paul and Timothy and with each other. Are we gospel partners? What will the Lord do with us in this new season, TVC? I can't tell you all the details of what God is doing because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, but I can tell you that I'm excited for what he's about to do, that I want to be a part of what he wants to do, that I think our community wants to be a part of what he wants to do. How will we respond to what he is calling us into? There's a reality that's been grabbing hold of my heart these past few months as I've been praying, as the Lord has been drawing me and my family further into this body. And it's something that I, I have kept praying and saying even as I've spoken with many of you. And it's this. We are not the ones who generate ministry. We are not the ones who make God's work work out. We are the ones who join him where he is already working. We are the ones who seek to be faithful, to be obedient, to be aligned to what he is already doing. We don't make it happen. He does. But he does it through us. So TVC this morning, are we partners in the gospel? Let's get it straight. You and I already know the worst thing about each other. That we are bad enough that Jesus had to die for us. And at the same time, you and I already know the best thing about each other. That he loved us enough to do that. Are we partners in this gospel? The Lord has done something amazing in this body of believers here in Streamwood. As I hear story after story after story over the last few years, together the Spirit of God has graciously given you the gift of seeing more and more people come to know Jesus. Together the Spirit of God has repaired marriages, has built up individuals and families in the faith. Together, the Spirit of God has fed the hungry, has brought hope to the widow. Together, the Spirit of God has spread the kingdom of God for the glory of God in the tri-village area. And for that, we should be grateful. We have been partners in the gospel. And yes, we have sent out some of our partners in the gospel to continue to spread the gospel where they are at. But the question before us now is, will we continue to be partners in the gospel? Not partners at TVC, not, not partners in a particular program or ministry, not even partners in Streamwood, but partners in the gospel. What directs and determines your relationships within the family of God here? Is it chemistry? Is it because you click? Is it shared interests? Is it me or any of your leaders? Or is it the gospel? This is 
why I wanted to get into the book of Philippians, because what's so incredible about this book is that it is filled with, the gospel is all over this letter. And it's a letter between friends. And as I was reading, it felt like the, almost a Christian Midas touch, if you will. Right? Because one scholar writes, in Paul's hands, everything turns to gospel, even partnership, even friendships, family. It all is centered and founded upon the gospel. A relationship between two turns into a relationship between three, Paul, the Philippians, and Jesus. Are we partners in the gospel? You can see in this letter how centered he is on the gospel because the only other letter that uses the word gospel as much as Philippians, not more than, as much as Philippians, is the book of Romans. The only other letter Paul writes where he uses the word gospel more, or as much as, is the book of Romans. For Paul, the gospel is at the center of his love for and relationship with this community. It is the gospel that brought them together. It is the gospel that will keep them together. It is the gospel that will carry them through all the way to the end when they will finally and fully become who they are in Christ. And TVC, this is what will carry us through this season. This is what will carry all of us until the day of Christ, as it says here at the end of verse 6. So what is partnership in the gospel? Because I keep saying it, and and now you're like, okay, Eric, what is it? Why do you keep talking about this thing? And I'm not even sure what what that means. What's more than just sharing something in common? It's more than just shared likes or experiences. It's more than just that we happen to be part of the same group that showed up and registered and is here now. It's about participation in something together. It is not passive, it is active. It is not by chance, it is on purpose. It is not based on preference, but in Jesus. That is what partnership is about. And it is something that is true regardless of your gender, your age, your skin color, your language, your bank account, your job, it starts and ends in the gospel alone. And if you don't believe me after I just said that, the examples of this are all over scripture. Even the beginning of the book, uh, the church in the Philippians, the church in Philippi. Go back to Acts 16, 12 through 18. When the Lord began the Philippian church through Paul, do you know who he started it with? A women's prayer group praying by the river. Or read Paul's letters to Timothy. And if you're a kid, if you're a teenager here, hear this right now when he writes to Timothy. He says, do not let anyone look down on you because of your age, but instead set an example for the believers in the faith. If you believe in Jesus, and I'm talking to the kids and the students right now, if you believe in Jesus, you are part of this community. I don't care if you're 5, 10, 18, 42, 82. Age does not determine whether you're part of this community. Believing in the gospel does. But I mentioned skin color and I mentioned language and I can go off for the rest of this time. I won't, but I could go off for the rest of this time about the examples in scripture where skin color and language don't matter in whether or not you're part of this community. Read the story of the Ethiopian in Acts 8. Read the story of of Pentecost and the Spirit coming down on Acts 2. Go all the way to the end, Revelation 7, where God has a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Gospel partnership doesn't stop at skin color, at language. The beauty of gospel partnership is that they form this multilingual, multi-ethnic, multi-generational community with the gospel of Jesus Christ at its bedrock. And that's the story of this campus. That's the story of this familia. That is the story. Because in every difference, we have an opportunity for either conflict or for fellowship, for division, or for true unity, for 
pain or for partnership. In this new season, how will we demonstrate the beauty of gospel partnership among us? Now, if Paul's prayer flows out of this reality of gospel partnership, then it flows into that second point. Confidence in God, and more specifically, confidence in God's follow-through. And this is the second element of true community. Confidence in God's faithfulness, right there in verse 6. Paul continues to explain that he prays not only because of their gospel partnership, but because of his confidence in God. And what is he confident of? God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. The answer is yes to all of those. He is confident that God will complete the work that he started in the believers at Philippi. A work of love and grace and mercy and growth into looking more and more like Jesus. A good work. And notice here, and this is one of our values as a church, the gospel is not just the starting line. The gospel is all the way through, all the way to the finish line. It's the beginning, the middle, and the end. Now, I played basketball and football in high school, which is surprising, I know. And it's incredible that I didn't get drafted when I did, but that's neither here nor there. What I remember, though, in either sport, is coaches that would always remind me that I had to play until the whistle. Right? You don't stop battling for a fumble or a loose ball. You finish a tackle, you play defense, you go for a rebound, you guard your man until the whistle blows. And in practice, this is how they made me realize how serious they were about this. In practice, if you didn't run through the finish line, through sprints, you had to run them again and again and again until you did. You always finish strong. You always follow through. And I want the Word of God this morning to remind us that God always follows through. There is no out-of-breath, stitch-in-his-side moment like there was for me in every practice God doesn't give up on his people. God always finishes what he started. This is the testimony of Scripture. Again, 2 Corinthians 1, we read, No matter how many promises that God has made, they are yes in Christ. Hebrews 10, He who promised is faithful. Over and over again, the stories of the Bible point to this. From the Exodus to Jesus, God makes good on his promises. And if he saved you, If he has built us together, TVC, you better believe he's not about to drop us. This isn't just some experiment for God. He has begun a good work in you and recognize that beginning a good work, you realize what that cost him, right? He sent his only son to die. So he's not about to just walk away. I guess I made a bad investment. God always follows through. And if we're going to be a true community rooted in gospel partnership, we have to be confident in God's faithfulness. He has been faithful to us as a people. He will continue to be faithful to us as his people. So in this season, when you wonder what God is up to, when you're unsure of what will happen next, when you see all the memes on your social media trying to make sense of 2020 and what chapter of Revelation we're stepping into next, when you are inundated with all the hate and injustice recorded on social media when you will question your own heart and wonder when you will finally get your act together, when you worry that what is happening in the world and in your community is too much to bear, remember that you can trust the faithfulness of God. Don't get me wrong here. Just like partnership, trusting in God's faithfulness is not passive, though. 
Trusting in God's faithfulness is not passive, it is active. It is the kind of trust that does not just let the good work of God happen to you, but participates in it. It is confidence in God's acting as you act. Or as Paul later writes in the second chapter of Philippians, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. You do because God is doing. But I'm not going to start preaching chapter 2, that's next Sunday. I just want to remind us that trusting in God's faithfulness does not mean sitting down and waiting to see what will happen. It means stepping in, expecting that something will happen and aligning yourself to God's definition of something. Paul's prayer here continues in tenderness and affection. We read him in 7 through 8. It is right for me to feel this way about you. The affection of Jesus pours out as he prays. But then in verse 9, we finally, and this is so typical of Paul, we actually get the content of what he prays. This is why prayer for you. And here is our third element of true community. True community flows out of gospel partnership and into confidence in God's faithfulness, but it overflows with love. True community overflows with love. After telling them that he prays and why he prays, Paul tells them what he prays. He is praying that their love would abound more and more. In other words, he is praying that their love would overflow, that it would burst forth from them. He's praying that everybody who interacts with the Philippian church would have an overwhelming experience of God's love. But not just any kind of love, not just kindness and affection like he's been talking about. No, Paul prays that their love would abound in knowledge and depth of insight. And I do want to be careful here that we don't run away with what Paul is saying. Love is not all heart, no head. It's not just about affection and emotion, but it is also not all head, no heart. We just talked about 7 through 8, the affection of Jesus Christ. No, here, love, this affection of Jesus, this love that will abound more and more, is a love that is both head and heart. Knowledge and depth of insight filled with the affection of Christ. But let me define it here as it goes through. Listen to how God talks about love in this section. He describes it as their love, the Philippians' love, right? There's responsibility here. They are the ones loving. It's not just something that comes over them. They are already doing it. And Paul isn't correcting them. He's not criticizing them. They don't have to go from the absence of love to the presence of love. No, he is encouraging them. He is calling them to more. TVC, this isn't me saying, you need to start being loving. This isn't my encouragement for you this morning. My encouragement is keep being loving and be more and more loving. That is what Paul is encouraging the Philippians to do and what I think the word of God is encouraging us to do this morning. Just because you have been loving doesn't mean that you cannot grow in your love. There's more here. There's more available to us. There is more of what God has for us. And my prayer is that we would get that more by loving more. But it's, again, it's not just more love. It's love that is abounding in knowledge and depth of insight. Love marked by understanding that reaches an incredible depth. It is love shaped by wisdom. We've been in Proverbs for a few months now. This wise love that Paul talks about here leads to discernment, to being able to accurately tell right from wrong, good from bad, better from best. It is a love that is abounding in knowledge and insight. 
And look at the text. It is for the purpose of discerning what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It is all, so Paul is praying that their love would abound in depth of knowledge, or sorry, knowledge and depth of insight, that they may be able to discern all for the purpose of purity and blamelessness. When? At the day of Christ. This love works alongside the righteousness that he talks about here in this next verse that comes through Jesus Christ but it is love that has the future in mind. When we say we love each other here in this particular uh, outpost of the body of Christ at TVC, is this the kind of love we're talking about? With all the little descriptors I've given it, do we know each other? Actually and truly know each other? Are we seeking to be wise and discerning and therefore loving to each other? Too often we think that discernment means Anti-love, that I'm being discerning and therefore can't love. No, this is discerning for the end of actually loving each other. Do we have as the goal for our community the purity and blamelessness of not just each of us individually, but all of us together? Paul's prayer for the Philippians, my prayer for us is that as a community, we would be filled with love to bursting that our love would pour out. My prayer is that in this text, in this new season of TVC, what we would experience ourselves and be known for around in the community is not programs or logos or amazing social media or even a great worship experience, but a continual outpouring of love. Love filled with a deep understanding, wise discernment that carries us through to the finish line. True community overflows with love as it lives with the end in mind. This, as believers, our reality is not shaped by the present, but is grounded in the past and determined by our future. The reality of the Christian is the reality of a guaranteed future that controls the entirety of our presence. True community overflowing with love is living future life here and now. No matter what is, and this is, this is what I mean by this, right? Because I had trouble trying to figure out how to write this because I'm in future and present and past tenses and I'm like, that sounds confusing to me, so that means it's going to be confusing to them. So here's what I'm trying to say when I say this. No matter what is happening around us, no matter what our present circumstances are, we live life regulated not by our circumstances, but by Christ. We live life regulated not by our circumstances, but by Christ. Not by today, but by the day of Christ. Current suffering doesn't determine our current reality. Our future hope in Jesus does. In this next season, my prayer is that our current reality would be controlled by our future hope. What we do now, how we serve faithfully, what love and life looks like as the community of God be determined by what love and life will look like at the day of Christ. These are our three elements of true community. The true community flows out of gospel partnership and into confidence in God's faithfulness and that then it overflows in love. And this is where we're going to end. This is all summed up in my, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. In fact, when I became a Christian, this was like my life verse. And I want to commend it to you this morning to conclude. Still in the first chapter of Philippians, but it's closer to the end. Philippians 1.21, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like a lighthouse in the middle of a hurricane, verse 21 sums up the full effect of the gospel on Paul's life in Paul's current situation in prison. It is the Christian vision statement. 
It is the reality and hope of the Christian life smashed into one phrase. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And this is the lifeblood of true community. TVC, I'm going to be honest. If we have any hope of continuing to be the community that God has called us to be, this is what we have to cling to. We must be able to say, not just as individuals, but as a family, that our life is completely defined by Jesus. We have to live out the reality of the gospel here and now. Lock arms and be partners in this gospel. Our confidence not in our own ability or our own creativity, but in God's faithfulness to make it happen. We must overflow with a love that's characterized by wisdom and live out the future in the present. And I know I've used the word gospel a bajillion times in this sermon. And so I want to be clear that this is what the gospel calls us to. This gospel, the good news of Jesus, that tells of God, the creator king, coming to his creation, to the humanity who had rebelled against him. And even though we all deserve his just punishment for that sin and that rebellion, that death, he became human. He became human in the person of Jesus. And he lived the life we were supposed to live without any kind of sin or rebellion. He participated in building this true community. He established this new kingdom following the true king. And then humanity killed him. And it is in his, his death on the cross. This death on the cross that we deserve to die, but he took instead. It is in this death that he made a way back to God, back to our true king, took the just punishment of our sin, so that we receive the gracious gift of salvation. And it is in his resurrection that he has secured that reality, he has conquered the enemy of our souls, and he has paved a way for us to be resurrected. So Christian or not, let me tell you something this morning, whether you're not sure about Christianity or you've been a Christian for decades, the gospel tells us we all were dead in our sins. And now we are all alive in Christ if we believe. This is why Paul can say, to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Because without Jesus, he would still be dead in his sins. Without Jesus, we would still be dead in our sins. There is life in Christ. So even if you're not sure about Jesus quite yet, come, ask your questions, find out more, because there's life here. Find out why someone sitting in a prison cell talking to people who are threatened every day by death in the Philippian community can say, death is gain. Why anyone would ever say, my life is Christ. I know I said I was ending. I'm going to end, I promise. I'm going to end on this one quote that I think sums up what we've been talking about this morning. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this tiny book called Life Together, where he explores Christian community. And in it, I probably wrote more than most of my books. I think every single line is underlined or highlighted or written on, so I can't give you my copy, but I will buy you one if you want one, I promise, because it is that important. There's this one line that gets me. He writes, We have one another only through Christ, but through Christ, we do have one another wholly for eternity. Translation, I got you, you got me, because of Jesus, and it's forever. TVC in this new season, you got me? Because I have you. I'm here because of Jesus. Is that why you're here? 
Let's pray that that might be true. God, we are so, so grateful for what you have done for us in Jesus. Like the song that we are about to sing says, to this we hold, our hope is only Jesus, our lives are wholly bound to his. May this be our reality in this next season for us. Lord, you've placed us here as an outpost of your kingdom. And we pray, Lord, that you would make us so, that you would bind us together in true gospel partnership. Lord, that you would make us confident in your follow-through, in your faithfulness. You have been so faithful to us. I am just so grateful that you have made a way back, not just for me, but for everybody here who believes in you, back to you. You have been so faithful. Help us to be confident in your follow-through. And Lord, would you mark us by love, that we might overflow with love to everyone we interact with because that's how you are. Would you mark us with the words of Philippians 1.21 that our life may be Christ and that death would be gain. We trust you for this new season. We're following you as our shepherd. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand up, church, and let's respond to the Lord. Singing these words. Because of Jesus, it's for Jesus, and it's through Jesus. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness, and freedom, my steadfast love. My deep and boundless peace To this I hope My hope is only Jesus And for my life Is wholly bound to Him Oh how strange and divine I can sing All is mine Yet not I But through Christ in me
Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. Ushers are going to dismiss you by section. Go straight to the parking lot. I'll be out there, or you can go straight to your cars. That's fine. You don't have to talk to me, but I would love to meet you. But for the next four weeks, I want you to receive these final words from the end of Philippians as our benediction. May this be an encouragement and a challenge for you to become who you already are in Christ. May it launch you into your week for God's glory and your good. Receive these words from the end of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And may the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Go in peace, TVC.